All right. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, pack your jean shorts time. You know what that means, time. About time to go to Florida time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from across the way from his home at his undisclosed location in an undisclosed part of the world. Pat, uh, do you own a pair of jean shorts for this postseason adventure? Uh, I do not. Well, that's really, really unfortunate. You say you didn't own them? No, I, I don't own any jean shorts, no. Hmm. Could we, are there, do you have any, perhaps any blue jeans that you... You know, like you, you don't wear them as much as you used to. Maybe your wife bought them for you no, for Christmas, I, and, and you want to come off. This and I'm not doing it because homemade jean shorts are even better than just store bought jean shorts. And why are we talking about jean shorts? That's because Tennessee is going to the jean short capital of the world, Jacksonville, Florida, to play its bowl game. The Vols will be playing in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl on January second. Believe that's a 7 p.m. Eastern kickoff on. Uh, I believe what what network is it? Pat, is it ESPN? It is on ESPN. Yeah. It is on ESPN on January second. Note that prime time. Yes, uh, unopposed by the way. And uh, it was an interesting interesting day, Pat, because Tennessee will be playing the Indiana Hoosiers. We'll be speaking more about them probably in the second segment. So there's there's plenty to talk about with that really interesting IU team there because it's they've done some good things with that program and they've turned some some things in a better direction. And that's a that's a dangerous team. Uh, much more dangerous than the name Indiana would normally suggest. But, Pat, this day was a really, really interesting one. I guess I should say Sunday was a really, really interesting one be- because, you know, for a while, early, sort of early-ish in this process, I'm talking like maybe a week or so ago, it seemed like everything I heard was that Tennessee was trending toward the Gator Bowl and that the Music City Bowl, or I guess I should say the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, was a – you know, was an option, may have been the second most popular one. Maybe maybe it was possible to sneak into the outback, but things probably wouldn't align that, that neatly for Tennessee. And so it looked like it was going to be Jacksonville. And then as the week kind of progressed, it, it started sounding more and more like the Music City Bowl was was coming to, if not the forefront, was at least jumping into the picture a little bit more. Then it got to a point where people started saying Tennessee is going to go to the Music City Bowl, and that's where a lot of the tea leaves were were reading. Now, some people went out and said that it was going to happen, that it was a done deal. We never did that because, I'm telling you, I've been there before. I know how things go on this Sunday uh, when you're one of those kind of group of six teams and how how much things can shuffle around in this league because of the, the weird format. So long story short, uh, this thing ended back up where we thought it would a few days ago, but where going into the day, it didn't look like it might go. So it was a really, really interesting day there for Tennessee. Yeah, and it, it kind of changed throughout the week, too, because um, <clears throat> I think there was some thought even early in the week before the new CFP rankings came out that um, Tennessee could could maybe get to the Outback Bowl because SEC might be getting four teams into the uh, into the, either the playoff or the New Year Six. Yep. And the rankings come out on Tuesday. They dropped Alabama quite a bit. 
uh, and Auburn was behind both Wisconsin um, and Penn State and needed some, they were going to need some dominoes to fall their way because Auburn had to get to the New Year's Six for Tennessee to uh, have a chance to get to Tampa. One of the dominoes fell right when Utah lost. That sort of took a team out of the um, at-large picture. Uh, but <clears throat> and, but it, it kind of didn't continue that way, though. So uh, once that once that was sort of off the table, that being Tampa, it, it was going to come down to, to Jacksonville and Nashville. And, and on Sunday, it was, it was definitely trending towards Tennessee playing Louisville, the Music City Bowl. Um, that was the expectation. That's what um, it was. That, that's the direction it was going to go. And, and we reported as much, uh, I think, just a little bit past 1230 on Sunday afternoon. Um, and then, you know, we also we also hedged and said, hold on, you know, it's it's never, you know, it's not official until it's official. And and, and we've seen this before where it, it's gotten a little, I don't say screwy, but it's just a fluid situation. I mean, you've got uh, all these pro, all these schools are working to uh, look out for their best interests in terms of their team and their fan base. And then you've got these, uh, you know, these games are trying to, to, to sell tickets and, and generate revenue for their cities and all these things. So everybody's trying to make sure they get their, uh, make sure they get their, you know, what, what they feel like they deserve. And you got the SEC trying to make sense of it all. And, um, and, it, and it can be very fluid. We saw this, you know, five years ago when Tennessee wound up again in Jacksonville for the tax player bowl, uh, when they were six and six and, and they kind of, uh, nobody really thought they'd end up there and they ended up there. So, uh, kind of happened again a little bit uh, on Sunday when uh, Tennessee looked like they were going one way, and then Louisville starts tweeting that you know they're going to play Mississippi State, and it's like okay, well if they're playing Mississippi State, it's not going to be Tennessee and Nashville, and then uh, at the end of the day, Tennessee wound up playing in the game in the matchup that uh, for a few weeks there, and in terms of all the bowl projections, that was the one that was most popular was was Indiana and in, in, in the Gator Bowl. So uh, I think Tennessee maybe changed his mind. Philip Fulmer obviously. Uh, had to had had his had had a role in this and, and sort of convincing the SEC that that Tennessee deserved to go to Jacksonville over Kentucky. Um, you know, we could have a whole other podcast debating which bowl is better between the Gator Bowl and the and the Music City Bowl, yeah. but um, there's something to be said for playing in January in Florida in a bowl game against a Big Ten team. There's very much a I don't say prestige to that, but there's there's an aura to that, um, and, and then there's also um, you know, the, the fact of being a bowl trip for the team and for the fans, which, you know, you're going to Florida, that's much more of a trip um, for for those those parties as opposed to just kind of going down there in Nashville. So uh, I think Tennessee maybe woke up Sunday morning thinking uh, they, they wanted the Music City Bowl, and then at some point Sunday afternoon they decided they wanted the Gator Bowl, and then they made sure the SEC uh, gave them what they wanted uh, and, and put them there over Kentucky uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, what I think it might have been, Pat, you know, I, I wonder this. I, I wonder how much sort of some of the blowback from Tennessee's fan base, because you know these things matter. I mean, look at the Shiano thing. We, we've seen this before, and I, I don't know if I want to just go ahead and give a victory lap to, to Vol Twitter here, but but I wonder if that played something in it. But, but what I think may have been the biggest thing, and, and I've heard a, a little bit about this, but not, not enough to report it, so it's still just speculation, but – I think it wasn't so much that Tennessee just so badly wanted Jacksonville as it was Tennessee not really wanting Kentucky to have it. And you might say, what's that matter? Well, here's the way I look at it, and I wrote a column about this on Sunday night, is that I think when you look at 
sort of traditionally which of those names is bigger. Now, the mortgage, uh, Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, though that's a class operation. That that's a bunch of good people, and they ha- they you know run or, or do a good job. I think of, of running and administering that bowl, and, and they've got big plans for it, and they should because you know Nashville's proved that it can host NFL drafts, NHL drafts, NCAA tournaments. Like it, it's the fastest growing major city in the country, and you know, say what you will about the traffic, but but that city knows how to throw a party. And, and so they have huge aspirations for that bowl game. And the payout, for what little that's worth, uh, because the SEC splits a lot of this anyway, so it's not a huge difference either way, but the payout was listed as larger than, than the Gator Bowls. But Tennessee now is, is recruiting against Kentucky probably more than it used to. And Kentucky used to bat about 95 or 99% against Kentucky. Now Kentucky's occasionally winning a few more battles. And I think Tennessee doesn't want Kentucky saying it's playing in a January bowl game in Florida. I I think that's part of it. Now, I don't think if you're Tennessee, you base anything on your program based off of what Kentucky, you know, is or or wants to be or wants to do. But but I, I think you have to take some things like that into account. You know, there's something about, as you said, Pat, there's something about a January bowl game in Florida. It just is one of those things that, you know, it, it just sounds right. It, it sounds it sounds good. Like, you've had a good year. Like, if you play in a January bowl game in Florida, you've had a good year. Whereas if you play in one of those kind of pre-New Year's bowls, it, it seems like a different level. And, and I think that's the, the sort of thing that the Music City Bowl is going to keep running into is that if it wants to keep making these bigger purses and all these other things, that, that's one thing, but they – they, they got to get on a better day, I think, and if they want to really take that to the next level because there's just a prestige about sort of January bowl games. Yeah, and I do think, and we kind of discussed this later, late in the week about kind of just the perception of it. And, um, you know, like I mentioned, it's it's a debate of well, which, which game is better, uh, the Music City Bowl or the Gator Bowl. I mean, I, I think it, there's probably arguments for both sides. I know the Music City Bowl has a higher payout, but, uh, really what the schools actually get, you know, the difference is not uh, as big as just the payout figure is listed because the way the SEC splits up its its distribution, uh, all the bowl revenue is pooled together, and then they, they uh, kind of spit it back out equally to the teams that are into the schools that are involved in bowl games. So um, the whatever the numbers were for each game being different, that's not really that big of a factor. And um, I, I, you know, it, from a, you know, perception standpoint you you had Tennessee talking about you know publicly and privately wanting to play in Florida deserve feeling like they deserve to play in Florida you have Jared Garantano out here tweeting the Gator Bowl and the Outback Bowl about wanting to play there um that was sort of the the assumption and it I I don't know what the perception was and or would have been at Tennessee ended up playing down the road Nashville and Music City Bowl which which might be a better bowl I don't you know again it's up for debate um the weather's not as good the ball might be better yeah and then Kentucky ends up in, in Florida in a prime time game, you know, what have you. I, I don't know that the uh, the matchups are, are, are any more sexy one way or the other. You're playing, it was either one basketball school or the other, more or less. Um, and, and two team, two, two programs that would have been, you know, that will be fired up to be in those games in Louisville and Indiana. So I don't know if that's that big a difference. But, yeah, I think just from the reception standpoint, if, if it had been to, um, if it had been where just the perception that Kentucky got, the nod for that that game one of those florida games over tennessee it would have been like well how did that happen tennessee won the game tennessee has a bigger fan base they'll travel better uh, i know kentucky was probably selling to the gator bowl that renewing the indiana rivalry would have been a, a pretty big ticket for yeah 
uh, for that fan base. You know, we've seen, you know, we've seen, we've seen what Kentucky's fan base can do for basketball games. Um, you know, and if, if they got in, you know, if they got fired up for Indiana the right way, they could definitely sell a lot of tickets to that game down in Jacksonville. Um, that game's not been played, um, since, I think 2005, uh, and it used to be the bourbon barrel, like Tennessee had the beer barrel with Kentucky and then, you know, in Kentucky and Indiana, it was called the bourbon barrel. Yep. They both went away at the same time, but, uh, anyways, that's beside the yeah, point. Cause but, yeah. People, I mean, Cause people think about um, Indiana would, bourbon all the time. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, you we kind of saw it a little bit. Uh, on social media and, and certainly on our message board, there was a debate about, you know, is Tennessee, you know, is, is it going to be a step back if they end up playing in Nashville? Some people were saying, yeah, I'll, you know, here's why. Some people were saying no. And, and uh, at the end of the day, um, I, I think Tennessee carried more weight in the bowl discussions because it looked like it was uh, one setup where it was going to be Tennessee and Nashville, um, probably Mississippi State and Charlotte, I guess, and then Kentucky and Jacksonville, and then Tennessee decided, no, we, we want to go to the Gator Bowl, and the SEC said, okay, we, we will give you that wish, and, and they moved the other pieces around. So now from a perception standpoint, you know, uh, now from a perception standpoint, it looks like Tennessee kind of got the, uh, the, pref- you know, the preferential treatment that uh, yeah. Tennessee probably internally and externally probably feels like they deserve based on the way they finished the season, and uh, and the way the fan base has traveled to Florida Bowl games in the past and things like that. So, um, and, and I know the team and players are probably excited uh, to get to go on, on more of a trip than maybe to Nashville. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, Tennessee decided they wanted to go to Jacksonville and they made sure the SEC made it happen. And what's interesting about that also, Pat, is, is that they, they, they didn't just get to go to the bowl game they wanted they also made sure that kentucky went to charlotte instead of to nashville which uh again well, I, I don't think no I don't no no, no, I mean, that, that, no no i mean that, that may, gonna, go ahead i mean the music city wasn't going to take kentucky anyway because they were pretty much zeroed in on louisville um and that they don't want you know they were going to have that rematch plus i think kentucky played it at vanderbilt a few weeks yeah, ago i guess so what i'm was saying a, yeah the way it worked the music out. city bowl was pretty much down to tennessee and mississippi state so yeah the way it worked out i guess i should say is that it ended up with kentucky going you know, over to Charlotte, and I think that's that that's interesting the way that that worked out. But you're right; I, I should have worded that better. Um, but I, I think the the way that it the way that it worked out was that it seems pretty clear to me. And I, I we talked about this before when you're a program like Tennessee and you've not been to a bowl game the past two years, and then you get back to a bowl game, that's a hot commodity because these bowls want to do two things, right? They want to put butts in the seats and they want eyeballs on the television. Or, or tablets or however you, you you know, kids and you millennial cord cutters are watching games these days. You know, however people watch games, that's what they want. They want butts in the seats and they want people watching the game. And if you get Tennessee, you're guaranteeing yourself the first thing. You're guaranteeing that you're going to have tickets sold. You're guaranteeing that. And then on, on top of that, you're, you're doing a pretty good job of making sure people are going to watch that game because the Tennessee fan base – uh, if you look at any metric in, in terms of kind of teams that move the needle when when they're plastered on, you know, social media and things like that, Tennessee is always up there with that. Anytime there's a fan vote with anything, Tennessee fans show up in droves and vote for people. They're just the Tennessee fan base. You say whatever you want about <laughs> what Vault Twitter uh, can do to people. Sometimes it, it's a very powerful thing. Tennessee fans, it's a powerful fan base, and I think when you put them in a cage for two years and then you let them out. They're going to be a hot commodity. So I think Nashville wanted Tennessee. I, I think Jacksonville wanted Tennessee. And I think if Tampa, if it had worked out where Tampa got Tennessee, I think Tampa would have been happy with that. 
because they know they're going to get tickets sold and they know they're going to get people there. And, and to me, I might be wrong, Pat, but that to me seems like what this whole thing is about is is Bulls getting the matchups they want. Yeah, and people have to remember too, it's it's not a, a situation where uh, the Bulls are picking in order necessarily. Correct. Um, there's a there's a process involved where. Uh, like we mentioned before, the the SEC is working with the games and the and the teams to kind of give everybody what they want eventually. And and certainly, you know, a team that goes eight and four will have more say than a team that uh, than a team that goes six and six. If you're six and six, you're kind of at the end of the pecking order, and uh, you're kind of kind of gonna be stuck with wherever they they send you. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I know I, I think if if Jack if Tampa had been on the table, I think Tennessee would have gone to Tampa. Um, and certainly, I think uh, of the uh, the non sort of CFP New Year's six teams, once you got past Alabama and Auburn, um, Tennessee was probably the next best commodity on the list in, in the eyes of a lot of games. And, and, and Rick Catlett, who's the CEO and, and president of the, uh, of the Gator Bowl on, on Sunday night, said that he and, and Phil Fulmer first talked a few weeks ago and that, uh, that they kind of view Tennessee as their number one option. So uh, for a while, and, and there, you know, that's something that, that we had heard too. We had heard there was mutual interest from, the bull side of the game as well. So um, at the end of the day, it kind of much like, I guess, Tennessee season, Tennessee's bowl assignment wound up kind of taking a circuitous route or maybe the scenic route, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but at the end, it wound up being what a lot of people originally thought it would be. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of interesting things about this game too, that, that we'll talk about here in just a second. But before we do that, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go pay some bills, listen to some products and services and in-house ads and, and all these other fun things. Uh, and then after that, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about the Indiana Hoosiers. Pat, uh, do, do you, how much John Mellencamp do you know? A little bit. Okay, well, that's going to help us when we do this in just a second. Hashtag ad. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you are not... Uh, you are not contractually, ethically, spiritually, holistically, in any way responsible or, you know, you don't have to listen to those ads. You're not required to. But for those who go and do that, we certainly appreciate it. It helps us a little bit. And, uh, you know, you might find something you like too. Hey, it's the holidays, right? You never know when you might find something that you, that, uh, that you didn't know that you needed in your life. Pat, speaking of things that we did not know we needed in our life, I don't think I can segue that to the Indiana Hoosiers. But um, maybe we didn't expect 
uh, certainly. To, for, when you when you think of a January bowl game in Florida, you don't think of the Indiana Hoosiers. So maybe that's because well, the they never played game. one. Yeah, yeah, there, there you go. That'd be the reason for that. Indiana, as a lot of people know, one of the most illustrious uh, histories of any basketball, men's basketball programs in the country, had a lot of baseball success recently. What up, Kyle Schwarber? Uh, but they traditionally not not a – not not a football power. Uh, traditionally, a program that struggles a lot in football, but things have gone pretty well. And, and lo and behold, look at it now. Tom Allen's Hoosiers. Uh, he's just signing a brand new seven year contract. That he's got this team winning eight games this season, and the only games they've lost have been to teams that were ranked at the time. So, Pat, I know on the site Sunday night you put up a a little five things to know about the uh, or some some important things to know uh, about Indiana. What have you learned? Way too much to know. What have you learned about Indiana? Uh, well, uh, I, I could tell you, I could tell you a lot about both Indiana and Louisville if you're interested. There you go. <laughs> if you're wondering how they both wear uh, red, I spent my Sunday. Um, but yeah, no, the, uh, the Hoosiers probably, I don't know if any other college team in college football has ever done this before, but, um, they managed to not beat a single team that is playing in a bowl game. Uh, but they also don't really have any bad losses either. Uh, their only losses and, and this is sort of. Uh, Indiana's plight in life is that they're in the same division in the Big Ten as as Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. So yeah, good luck uh, with that. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, yeah, Ole Miss and Miss State say what's up. Uh, there's not a lot of programs probably that would give um, uh, that would give seven year con- con- uh, contract extensions to their coaches for going eight and four. But in Indiana, that's probably legitimately the best you could do every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in Indiana's case, this season um, they they played a I don't even they played a I don't even know what what you would call a non-conference schedule of Ball State, Eastern Illinois and Yukon, but I would call it bad. That was in that was Indiana's non-conference schedule. They obviously swept those games. Uh, they beat Maryland and Rutgers, the other two teams in, in their division and then they uh, uh, took care of business and swept their three games against the other division in the uh, Big 10 which was uh, they beat Nebraska who went from preseason darling to I don't they didn't make a bowl game, did they? Right? Who was that? Um, Maryland. Uh, they play. They beat Maryland. Who yeah. a lot of people was like, "Hey, they're, they're pretty good." When they beat Syracuse, and then it turned out Maryland was, and both and Syracuse were both kind of frauds. Uh, and then they beat Northwestern, who uh, was pretty bad this year. Although they they beat Illinois pretty good. Um, so uh, it's it's kind of tough to pick out what uh, Indiana's best win is. But um, for you know for that program that doesn't have a really you know a long history of winning, for them to you know, go on the road and win at Nebraska and win at Maryland and, and uh, beat Purdue. That was sort of the hump, you know, the hump game for them because uh, Indiana went into that season-ending game five and six past years and Purdue won. Uh, and this year, uh, Indiana won. They had already obviously wrapped up bowl eligibility and, um, you know, but they won that game for the uh, the Oaken Bucket, which they play for. Uh, so, yep. uh, no, this, this is a team that likes to throw the ball around. Um you know, obviously, I'm not sure how how well their defense matches up with uh, some of the size Tennessee will have on the offensive line and some of the um, uh, some of the, the Tennessee's receivers. Obviously, that that's a tough matchup for a lot of teams. Probably Indiana too. But um, Indiana likes to throw the ball around. They got a pretty good quarterback who is, I think, fourth in the Big Ten in passer rating. Uh, who's actually their backup. So um, it, it'll be you know it, Vegas opened it up as a pick 'em. So. Um, they, I think a lot of Tennessee fans are assuming it'll be a breeze for Tennessee, and it, and it might be. We'll see. But um, Indiana's, you know, I don't, I don't think you're eight and four if you're not 
uh, if you're not at least a little bit decent. Yeah, and, and they also have a guy who really might have the best name in all of college football, I think. Uh, the, their leading wide receiver. And by the way, this guy's a legit player, too. He's a he, He's got 1,000 yards on the season, so he has more yards than Jawan Jennings coming into this game. Uh, Wap Fillier. Uh, I think that's uh, – it might be Filer, it might be Fillier. I'm trying to remember. Indiana fans are going to listen to this and get f- angry at me. But I know his first name is Wop, and, and I know that he was nicknamed Wop by his parents because when he was a kid, he really loved Burger King Whoppers. And, Have you uh, been doing some Googling, or are you making that up? Uh, no, that's actually true. That, that, that's actually legitimately the truth. I read a story about the kid. He is uh, – if you like a hamburger so much that your parents name you after it, you must really, really, really like that hamburger. I mean, Whoppers are pretty good, man. Yeah, well, I wonder. I wonder if um. So, what would they have like? What if you really liked Impossible Whoppers? Would he be M Wop? Like, I'm I'm not sure where exactly you go with this. Uh, but and by the way, I guess I well, should it, also it mention. Sounds, it sounds like we're gonna. It sounds like we need to go to Indiana's practice down in Jacksonville and figure this out. Yeah, we're it sounds gonna, like we're gonna have to investigate this. Be like, listen, uh, <laughs> can you tell the difference between an Impossible Whopper and a regular Whopper? Or uh, we have to come on the podcast from Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. Are are you are you allowed now? Uh, are are you allowed to 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 eat those? Or does the nutritionist at Indiana like not let you do that? I have a lot of questions about this kid and the Whopper. And I also should mention that by the way, uh, Burger King does not, as far as I can tell, does not sponsor this podcast yet. But if you want to, uh, we just gave you a really really good segue there. Uh, guys, you, you really should pay attention to this. But yeah, I, I'm looking at the schedule, Pat, and I'm 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 with you on this Indiana team. And I, I think I'm trying to think. I, I've probably seen a grand total of like three quarters of Indiana games this year. Uh, I think I saw part of the Ohio State game, and, and I saw part of another game. And I know they like to chuck it around. I, I know they they've got a, a couple of exciting players. Uh, I, I don't really like a lot. I mean, on defense, I think a lot of teams could good teams or decent teams with good offenses can put up points on them. Uh, but what that coaching staff has done at that program, I, I don't think that can be ignored because you're talking about a program that, that you mentioned this really, 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 really well, Pat. I, I think that if you want to understand what their struggle is every year being in that division of the Big Ten, think of like Mississippi State or something like that or, or you know, in Arkansas maybe. Th- think of a, of a program like that that they got to be in the SEC West with, you know, Bama, you know, with, with Auburn, with LSU. I mean, that, that's just right. That's, that's tough. That's a really, really tough deal. And Indiana's might be even tougher because historically they're so much worse than those beasts of their big 10 division. And they, they really, I mean, this is a team that has been playing football for 121 seasons and it has played in 11 bowl games. Think about that. 121 seasons of football and 11 bowl games. This program in its entire existence, entire existence, has been ranked 56 weeks total. Total for its entire existence. Twice in the preseason. One of those weeks was this year. Yeah, Yeah, and five times uh, it has been listed in the final top 25 poll. This program in its 121-year history has won three bowl games. One, two, three three bowl games. So when you look at what Tom Allen's done there, uh, he took over for Kevin Wilson and, and there for a while, it kind of looked like Kevin Wilson had a chance to, to kind of get that program over the hump. I remember when he was there and it, it kind of looked like he was going to do some good things. And, and then they just kind of got stagnant. They stayed about the same. Uh, Tom Allen takes over. They go five and seven in his first season, five and seven in his second season. And then boom, this season they are eight and four and they have beaten some, some pretty decent teams. Now, 
I know that Miss that Michigan State loss maybe is the only one that in hindsight looks kind of tough, but anytime you go to East Lansing, that's a tough game. And I look and they at lost this, that game on a on a field goal with like five seconds left. Yeah, too, so. yeah, and, and you could look at and that. They, and, and you know, Purdue's not that great this year, but that's your one of your biggest rivals. You go there, you win double overtime. Hey, a win's a win against your rival, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and you look at the games they played uh, against those heavyweights in that division. Um, uh, we, you know, we mentioned the Michigan State game. That was a tight game all the way to the end. The final score, I was a little bit misleading. I think I think Indiana tried one of those lateral plays or something at the end, and Michigan State turned to t- turn into a touchdown. But something weird happened. Uh, you know, the, the Penn State game. You know, that was that was on the road, and um, Indiana I think led in the first quarter at one point, and they kind of. They were they were behind and kind of rallied, and Penn State had to score with like two minutes left to go up by ten. So that was, you know, they were in that game down to the very end. Uh, the Michigan game, they were down, I think, twenty-one fourteen at halftime, and then Michigan kind of put the game away. I think they scored three times in the third quarter, uh, and, and and didn't let Indiana score after halftime. So that was that. But um, and and they weren't they weren't really competitive against Ohio State, but not very many teams have been competitive against Ohio State. So you kind of understand that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you look at. You know, you look at some of our metrics. Uh, Indiana's, I think, 53rd in the in the 24/7 Sports team talent composite. That's one yeah. spot behind Vanderbilt. Um, you know, but but they're going to be used to playing against a bunch of you know you know teams loaded with four you know five star recruits um, because they they play three of them every year. You know, three teams that are ranked in the top 10 or 12 or so in, in Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. So. Um, yeah, and you mentioned Tom Allen. He's he's actually sort of a Hugh Freeze guy. Um, that's that's sort of how he. Um, and I know I know Jeremy Pruitt will. I, I guarantee you Pruitt will bring this up. But yes, you're right. You're 100 percent right about that. Allen started his kind of started his um, coaching career in the high school ranks. That's sort of he, he was he was down there plugging away in the high school level for a while. I think in Florida and, and Indiana, and then he kind of I think he had one college job before he ended up with Hugh Freeze. He, you know, and that was at Lambeth, which is I think in Jackson. Um, went went with Freeze to uh, Arkansas State for the year they were there, and then he was Ole Miss for three years, and um, was on their staff uh, in Oxford. So he's, you know, he, I think he, I think he's actually coached against Tennessee. Now that I think about it, I didn't think about it just till now, but um, yeah, you, you know, pretty. I mean, pretty good coach. I mean, if you're winning eight games in Indiana, like I said, uh, this is a program with not a lot of history. I mean, you, Wes, you mentioned some of their uh, bowl figures. This will be their twelfth bowl, and they've won three. Uh, Lee Corso is has, is responsible for one of their in uh, one of their bowl wins. Yes, he is. Uh, imagine yes. that. Yes, he is. Uh, and you compare it to Tennessee. This is Tennessee's 53rd bowl game, and Tennessee's won 28 of them. So, uh, from a history standpoint, this is obviously quite a bit of a mismatch. But uh, that that I think that just means Indiana will be excited to be there. And um, you know, will they be one of the team? Will they be one of those teams that's like just you know we're just glad we're here? I don't know. Um, but certainly. Uh, this, this is this is new territory for them. They've never played, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, they've never played in a Florida bowl game. So this is uh, this is sort of rarefied air for for that program. Yeah, and I, and I'll tell you this too. Uh, you know, when you talk about what a team is playing for, to the extent that any kid really cares about history, I go back and forth on these days just how much kids these days seem to care about it. It's kind of a different, in some ways at least, it's a different world we live in. But but if you're Indiana and you know that program's history at all, and you have a chance to say you're a part of the Indiana team that beat one of the top 10 programs in college football history in a January bowl game in Florida, 
that would automatically go near the Mount Rushmore probably of wins that program's ever had. I'm not saying that it would be that important because I'm sure during conference play they've had bigger wins or bigger upsets over the years. But beating a program with Tennessee's name recognition in a January bowl game in Florida would be really, 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 really impressive and really big for that Indiana program. I mean, they could recruit off of that. They could put that, you know, signs up, billboards on the interstate about that. They have a. They might be playing for more than Tennessee's playing for in this game, and that's something that Tennessee's going to have to understand, I think. Uh, but if you want to know a little bit more about Indiana, just kind of a snapshot, uh, you mentioned Hugh Freeze, Pat, so it probably shouldn't surprise anyone to know that this team prefers to air the ball out. They are 13th nationally in, in passing yards per game, 100th nationally in rushing yards per game. So uh, they're going to spread you out. They're going to chuck it. Uh, they're they're kind of there in the middle. They're okay. Run a little tempo. Yeah, run a little tempo at you. Uh, they but the, what's interesting is they're thirteenth or, or so in passing offense uh, per game, but they're only like fortieth or so in scoring offense. So they do leave some points on the field. Uh, and I'm just going to take a stab at it that says if you are thirteenth nationally uh, in the passing game and you are one hundredth nationally in the rushing game, you're probably not an elite red zone team. I, I wonder if that's probably what the, causes the discrepancy there. Uh, with with some of those numbers, so that may be something Tennessee could take advantage of. Uh, and this team is, you know, they're in the, in the 40s nationally in scoring defense and, and stuff like that. So they're not terrible, but they're not really great either. They're just kind of a – when I look at them, Pat, here's what I think. And, and, and again, full disclosure, I, I've seen them play maybe three quarters this season. So I'm, we're going to have to learn a lot about Indiana in the next few weeks because, no offense, Hoosiers – historically Indiana football is not appointment television. You know, if there's a game going on there, I'm, I'm usually flipping on to find something else. That's just kind of, I mean, I'm just being honest here. That's just, that's just kind of the, the, the reputation that Indiana's had over the years. But, um, but I think when you look at them with well, the word I keep thinking of is solid, they seem to be solid. They may not be great. Um, they, they may be only elite kind of throwing the ball. They may not be great in other ways, um, but they, I just keep coming back to the word solid because they look to me like a team that won the games it was supposed to win, lost the games it was supposed to lose, and they're solid. Is that, I mean, is it possible if that's the truth or am I just making something up there? No, I mean, they're, they're uh, again, I don't think you win eight games in the division they play in and in the league they play in. I mean, the Big Ten got three teams into the, uh, uh, into the New Year's Six, same as the, as the SEC. So I think that's, I don't think that's a, uh, I don't, I don't think it's a pushover of a league. Now there might be some teams that, you know, that aren't great. Um, and Indiana might've just taken advantage of those, of those teams. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tom, I, I think Allen's a, a solid coach. He's done a nice job there. Um, and, and sort of kind of doing a little bit more with less and, um, you know, so they, they have a, you know, they have a tough schedule every year and, you know, they, they take their lumps against some of those big boys, but they, you know, they, they keep kind of, trying to um you know kind of hang in there and like i said i don't think they're particularly great in any uh particular phase of the game like i said they could throw around a little bit um they don't turn the ball over a whole lot but they also don't force many turnovers um so and, and that they have to play that way because that's the only way they're going to survive with the uh the makeup of their roster and the schedule uh, i do want to add one one thing hope you hope you're ready for a hashtag storyline here okay uh, is both the quarterbacks in these games are sort of uh, redemption projects, so to speak, because uh, Indiana's quarterback is Peyton Ramsey, and he was their starter last year, uh, lost the job in preseason to a guy that Tennessee fans will 
Um, probably remember the name Michael Penix, who oh, was yeah. committed to Tennessee in the fall of 2017. Uh, was a dual threat quarterback. Uh, I think a lefty from uh, from Florida. Yep. Uh, and he he won the job to start this season. Beat out Ramsey, who was um, it was the starter last season. Uh, and Penix got hurt midway through the year. Ramsey came off the bench and, and helped them. I think get over the line and, and maybe a game or two. Uh, this guy had 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions last, last season, and uh, he played pretty well for him down the stretch. I think he, uh, I think he threw for 351 yards uh, uh, against Nebraska. I threw for 371 against Penn State, 337, and three scores against Purdue. So a guy that can throw around, he can run around a little bit. Seems like kind of a tough, hard-nosed kind of quarterback that. Um, you know, if, if he's hot, he can give you some trouble. And obviously, you know, Tennessee with Jared Garantano, his his story is pretty well known at this point. The way he's, you know, what he's been through this year. But, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's it's a it's an interesting matchup for Tennessee. And was you know, some people were surprised when the the line came out as a pick'em. But you go know, back and look, and it seems like Vegas kind of likes Indiana, uh, even in some of those uh, some of those tough games against. You know, I think they were just an 18 point underdog at home to Ohio State. Um, yeah, which is crazy to think about because that Ohio State team is good. I think Michigan and, and Penn State. So um, you would think those you you think Ohio State would be favored by a lot more against a team like Indiana. So uh, I think that they must be doing something right. And like I said, this is you know, uh, this is this is new air. This, this is new territory for that program. So uh, I think they are doing some right up there to to get to where they are. Yeah, and you know uh, they are a team. As I mentioned, they have one one thousand yard receiver, and they have three more guys who have five hundred plus receiving yards. And listen to the names of these top three receivers again. I've already mentioned, and I just double-checked his name while you were speaking, Pat. It is Wap Fillier. So that is, as in like Fillier Gas Tank, Wap Fillier. That's how you pronounce his name. Uh, he is a good football player. And listen to their second and third receivers. Second receiver, Peyton Hendershot. And the, the third. Oh, no, yeah, but third pass catcher. And then Ty, oh, Ty Freifogel, which, I mean, come on. You look at those names. That That's... If you're talking about like an all-name team, I'm sorry, Tennessee's got some really good wide receivers, but Indiana's receivers have much better names. And if you are someone who believes in that sort of predestination, Tennessee's going to have a hard time covering these guys. Yeah, and like I said, it, Indiana's going to spread it out there around a little bit. They've also got a pretty good running back in uh, Stevie Scott, who is, uh, if he has a big game, could get over 1,000 for the season, but he's like 6'2", 230. I mean, he's a big guy. Um, and so that's going to be, uh, if you're... if uh, Indiana's going to spread it out and, and they'll they'll run it some and and Tennessee will have to do a good job of tackling him because he seems like he might be a tough guy to tackle at the, at the size that he is. Yeah, he is, and he is uh, he, he averages only about four point seven a carry, um, which is okay. It's not really great, but it's it'll get the job done. And he is very much a get the job done kind of guy. He does a lot of things for that offense. He's got more than a thousand all purpose yards, eleven touchdowns. He's a pretty good player. Uh, but I, I think th- before we get out of here, Pat, there's a couple more little, little house cleaning items. I guess we we need to mention one is that the Jawan Jennings suspension. Uh, in the the last podcast that we recorded, it, it really did. I think it's no secret we try to record these as fresh as we can to write when we release them. But in that case, uh, usually for the Thursday one, because of all the questions we take, we kind of have to do that one ahead of time. So we usually do it Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening. And the Juwan Jennings stuff broke right after we recorded. So uh, Tennessee senior wide receiver Juwan Jennings, uh, because of that incident that happened at the end of the Vanderbilt game, uh, was given a half-game suspension by the league. Now I think that's BS because you can't prove he did it intentionally. And I don't know how any film shows that he did, that he did that on purpose. 
Uh, and I think if he actually did do it on purpose, then it deserves much more than a half of one game as a suspension because you can't just step on someone's head. If you did it on purpose, you should be out for the game. Uh, so I, I thought that was an interesting kind of BS middle ground, nobody satisfied suspension. But regardless, uh, Tennessee – uh, has kind of confirmed that it's going to happen. Tennessee has released statements uh, by Philip Fulmer. And then on Sunday night or Sunday early evening, late afternoon, we spoke with Philip Fulmer and Jeremy Pruitt about that. And, and they both said that um, they parsed their words pretty carefully, Pat, but it sounded to me like they were basically saying we support the conference. Now, I don't think that means I support or we support this decision, but they're saying they've talked about it. They're supporting the conference and they're moving on, which may be kind of a PC way of saying we don't like it, but we'll live with it. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I, I don't know kind of how those discussions went. Um, to be honest, I, I don't. I don't know that that anybody knows what the intent was for Jennings, um, the way he was demonstratively celebrating after the, making the play. Uh, I don't. He probably didn't even know he did it in the time. But either way, I don't know how anybody knows for sure what the intent was, and uh, it kind of seems like they just sort of sort of split it up there. They said we can't, t- you know, this is a bad look, but we can't prove intent, so we'll give them half a game as opposed to maybe a full game. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. It's it's sort of the I don't like that precedent. Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, it's sort of it's yeah. But the thing is, is you see some other things that have you know have happened in the past that. Uh, that seemed to have more intent. Like, you know, Raekwon Davis punched a Missouri player last year. I know Missouri was doing a lot of stuff in that game, but, um, you know, this, the situation with Cash Daniel earlier in the, in the season where he's very clearly on camera trying to twist Kyle Trask's ankle in the pile. And, you know, there's, there's definitely intent there. You don't, that's not something you do accidentally. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I don't think he got suspended. He might've gotten disciplined by Kentucky. Um, but the SEC, SEC didn't come out with the suspension there, so you, you just kind of wonder. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I wonder, you know, if you're Jennings, are you better served to just, you know, maybe not even play in the bowl game if you just get ready for the NFL. But then remember, then you remember that it's Juwan Jennings. He's not wired that way, and he's you're not going to want to uh, go out with this with sort of the final game of his career being marred by by that incident. So uh, I, I, I'm curious to see what they're going to have him do in the in the locker room in the first half. Well, well, uh, no, wait, he's wait, not do, playing. They do, might have to. I'm not. I'm not saying they. I'm not sure what they're going to do there. Yeah. Well, I want. I wonder if, if some people would think that's kind of an, an ignominious whatever way to go out. But if you're Jawan Jennings, he might be like, that's like a Game Seven World Series home run right there. Like, I hate Vanderbilt. I knocked out. You know, I knocked one of their dudes into next week. Stepped on his head, and then I said, "Deuces, I'm out." Uh, you know, I don't really know. Uh, but but here's here's my issue with it, Pat. Because some people say that that intent doesn't matter um, because it's with a head contact. I think that's ridiculous because you're you're stepping on someone's head. Like it, it's something that if you do it accidentally, you can't really punish someone for that. It's not like he intended to do it. He either meant to do it or he didn't. And I don't like this whole well, it's not. You know, we don't really know. So maybe here's what we'll do, Tennessee. We probably should give him a full game, but we'll give him a half game as long as you promise not to complain about it, uh, you know, or make an issue out of it. And maybe that's that. Maybe that maybe Tennessee had to make that deal to, to be quiet about it in order to keep it from being a full game. I, I don't know. We're not in those discussions, but but that's why I don't like this. Just seems to have been done in a haphazard way. And I can see why the SEC maybe thought this satisfies everybody because Vanderbilt was just steaming mad about it. 
and, and maybe they said, okay, Vandy, look, we are punishing him, but Tennessee, we, we don't see enough to go with a full game. I, I think that's wrong. You have to make a call on that. I mean, that's like, to me, that's, it's like a, an umpire saying instead of a, a pitch is a ball or a strike, it's a bike. That, that's not a thing. It's a ball or it's a strike. And that's where I have an issue here because I don't think if we're going to start looking at things like this and trying to prove intent on some of these hits uh, and some of these kind of post-play things, what, 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 I don't like that at all. Uh, I really, really don't. And, and I, I don't like where that's going. So I, I guess I kind of appreciate what they're trying to do, uh, but it's still wrong, I, I think. And, and unless they have access to something that we don't, you know, maybe they have Jawan Jennings admitted he did it on purpose. Maybe they have another angle that one of the sideline cameras got that, that they can clearly see he did it on purpose. Um, but, you know, I, you, you had you had more than half of Vanderbilt's players leaving their own bench and coming past the midway point of the field to go over toward Tennessee's sideline before their own coaches got them back. That should be a penalty. That wasn't thrown. Um, there's a lot of things that happened in that play, and I don't know why – the punishment went the way it did. It just kind of bothers me a little bit, but I don't know. Are you off your soapbox now? I mean, I, a little bit, I guess. Maybe, maybe a little no, bit. No, you're not. I know. No, I, I just I don't I don't like it. I don't I don't I don't think it's a I don't think it's a, the right thing to do. But other than that, uh, I think it was interesting that Tennessee has just trying to go about it and say, listen, let's move on because that's. What other chances, what other choice do you got, right? So that's house cleaning out of number one. Number two is we don't know exactly where Tennessee is from a health standpoint. We know that Brandon Kennedy had some work, uh, the senior center, uh, who might be a sixth-year senior next year, but right now he's a fifth-year senior applying for another year. Tennessee starting center had some work done on his knee. Uh, we don't really know exactly if that was a kind of a cleanup and you're back in a couple weeks deal or if he's out for the bowl game. Jeremy Pruitt said Sunday night that – uh, they're kind of in a wait-and-see pattern there. Uh, but now if you think about that with Ryan Johnson, you know, and, and Marcus Tatum going, all of a sudden that's more important, isn't it? Anytime you might lose an offensive lineman, that that's a bigger deal. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, for Kennedy's case, it, it's something he'd been playing through for most of the season. Yep. Uh, Pruitt had mentioned that uh, we'd seen some practices, maybe some Tuesdays during the season where Kennedy didn't look like he was doing sort of the, the full – workload that we see guys do and in, in the, in the little bit of practice we get to see. Um, so, it, it, yeah, but you wonder, uh, was it bad enough that they needed to go ahead and, and do something about it? Um, is it something minor like what Daniel Batsuli had where it took him about maybe a month to get back and you thought you could sort of get it done and maybe get him back for the bowl game? Um, or, or was it, you know, the, it, we don't we don't know a whole lot of details about the situation. All, all, all I know is this point is that he had sort of a cleanup done. So, um, like I said, I don't know if it was uh, so pressing that they needed to get it done uh, right after the regular season as opposed to right after the bowl game. Um, I'm sort of of the thinking that if it's, you know, if there's any sort of risk of, of doing something worse, if it's the same knee had, that he tore his ACL in, probably better to just be cautious and, and not risk anything in a game that, uh, I mean, bowl games aren't the playoff games. Yeah, they mean something, but they're not, you know, uh, if players want to sit them out for whatever their reasons are, I'm not going to uh, rake them over the coals for that. Uh, so yeah, if I agree it's a with situation that. where he's not 100% and, and maybe risking it by playing on it so soon after having a, something done, uh, then I would think that, that he uh, and Tennessee would both err on the side of caution. But uh, once we 
know more details about what he had done and we'll be able to say better whether or not he's he's going to have a chance to play and we'll also have uh, i'm sure a couple other little injury news and notes whenever tennessee does return to the practice field uh, we'll see right now there's a lot of focus on the recruiting trail for for obvious reasons with with national uh, the early signing period beginning to open up pretty soon so uh, we'll we'll have more on that too we'll have more on sort of the team news when they get back together uh, as of the time we're recording this, we don't have a schedule yet for when Tennessee is going to start practice, when Tennessee is going to head down there to Jacksonville. We'll get all that to you as soon as we can. Uh, but I think that might be about it, Pat. Is there anything else I'm leaving out? Anything else from, from Sunday's teleconference? Anything else from the past couple of days that's worth noting? Nope, we're done. <laughs> like Let's go I'll, home. I like that. And with that said, I think I'll go ahead and excuse you out of here, Pat, and I'll, uh, I'll play the music and get us out of here. Thanks, buddy guys thanks for tuning in as always you can find all of us on social media i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter uh, ryan callahan's ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter and grant ramey is grant ramey on twitter remember not grant ramey 24 7 he's not a team player it's just grant ramey you can also go to social media if you want uh just updates on tennessee and none of the other nonsense that we tweet or, or post throughout the day you can go get that at twitter.com slash go 24 7 and facebook.com slash go 24 7 where ramey does an excellent job running our facebook page uh, or if you want to drink directly from the source you want that pure good delicious east tennessee mountain spring water you go to GoVols247.com, where we've had a lot of really good deals for the holidays. Right now, you can get 50% off of an annual subscription, which is a pretty darn good deal. And if you pay us cash dollars, if you pay cash dollars for GoVols247.com, you also get free access to CBS All Access. That's the commercial-free package where you get all the, you know, you get everything in CBS's catalog, all the shows, all the movies, everything. You get all of that with no commercials. And you also get live NFL football. You get live SEC football and hoops. You get, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament in basketball. You get also uh, probably just a little bit of time here in about a year or so, you get the uh, UEFA Champions League for those of us football fans. Uh, if you like Patrick Brown's really good Liverpool Reds or my used to be really good and now terrible uh, Arsenal Gunners, or Raimi's uh, always mediocre Crystal Palace Eagles. You can get all of that also. Although I should say that, but but really Crystal Palace will never be in the Champions League, so I probably shouldn't say that. Anywho, barring breaking news, and I do think there will be breaking news, uh, but barring breaking news, we'll see y'all Thursday morning, but probably before that. See y'all.